Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. This morning we are continuing our series, uh, Living in a Different World. And we're looking at precept, life precept number six. Life precept number six. And we're talking about the, the fact that unity is power, that there's power in unity. Now the definition of unity is what? Well, unit or one, uno, together, harmony, accord. We see examples of the power of unity in such things as sports. You can have a team that doesn't have any outstanding athletes on their stars that, can, uh, that will be beaten, uh, that will actually beat one who has most of the talent because they're a team that learns to play together. They pull together. They play as one. So there's unity. In that unity, there's power. Uh, you see that in marriage. The unity, the oneness in marriage makes that marriage powerful and strong and, uh, and not be overcome by the enemy or uh, be divided. We see uh, unity in the church. The Bible talks about the importance of the church being one body and pulling together. One of the most extraordinary verses about the power of unity is found back in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 11. And what we have here in Genesis chapter 11 is that the people of that day, they, they moved, they migrated to uh, the valley or the area of Babylon. And while they were there, they said, hey, let's just, we're not going to scatter. We're not going to go to different areas. Let's just all be together here. And, and listen, to what, listen to what the Word says uh, about that power of unity. Uh, and picking up verses 1 through 4, it says, All the people of the world spoke the same language. They used the same words. Uh, they migrated to the east of the plain of Babylonia, and they settled there, and they began saying to each other, Let us, or let's make bricks and harden them with fire. Let's build a great city for ourselves with a power that reaches to the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. It's interesting. Interesting. They had decided, well, we're not going to go to the ends of the earth. They had decided, we're going to stay in one place here. They decided, we want to make a name for ourselves. This is all about us. And what we're going to do is we're going to, to build a tower that goes so high it's into the heavens. And what this was was a deliberate affront to God. They were challenging God's authority. And here's the extraordinary statement in verse 6. Here's what the Lord says. The people, uh, it says that the people are united. And they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Now these are people that were challenging the authority, the rule of God. Now this goes all the way back to Satan. That's what he did. He challenged the rightful place of God's rule and authority. That was pride. That's what's happened here. The people gathered and said, we're just going to, to work together. And we're, this, is, this is a, a world mindset. This is humanism. Look how great we are. Look what we can do. And so we're going to build this tower. It's going to go into heavens. And we're going to actually be greater than God. And it was this kind of mindset that 
God said that, look, if they accomplish this, there's nothing impossible for them. He knew that one of the divine principles, the kingdom principles of life was that together, unity, in that there is great power. Even if it was for something evil or wrong, there was still power there in that unity. And of course, we know that is the Tower of Babel or Babel. And their language was changed and they scattered. God had ordained that they should scatter to begin with. That was his will and his design to multiply the kingdom over the earth. Now, unity is, is extremely important. There, there's power in it. Uh, I, I remember the, I remember the uh, Peanuts cartoon that where Lucy demanded that Linus change the TV channel. And he threatened him with her fist if he didn't. And Linus said, what makes you think that you can walk right in here and take over? And she said, these fingers say so. Individually, they're nothing. But when I put them together, they are a force, a weapon to deal with. Linus says, what channel do you want? He turned away. And he looked down at his fingers and says, why can't you guys get together like that? <laughs> there's power when you come together, when there's unity, right? Power. Now, God designed that unity be a good thing. It was good. Go with me to Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 133. Look what the word says here. Behold how good and how pleasant. What, what, how good, how pleasant. It is for brethren, for brothers and sisters to dwell together, how? In unity. He says, this is what it's like. It's like the precious oil upon the head. Like, like an anointing oil that was used during those days. Uh, oil that was poured down on the head, running down on the beard of Aaron, the high priest. Running down to the edge of the garments, the priestly garments. He said, unity is like the dew of Mount Hermon that descends upon the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord brings or commands the blessing, life forevermore. Interesting. This psalm was often sung by the Jewish people as they went up to the temple to worship. Now, Jew Jerusalem was a city on a hill. Not a huge mountain, but it is an elevated city. And in that city, there's an elevated, there's an elevated position, the Temple Mount. And so they were going up to the city of Jerusalem and they were going up to the mount there to worship. Now, they would sing this. Say, it's wonderful for people, how beautiful it is for us to come together, for us to worship, for us to join together here. And those two symbols of all and, uh, and do uh, are powerful. Because he said, here's, here's what unity is all about. Unity is about consecration. Unity is about worship. Unity is about joy. It's like that anointing, that oil that flows down upon it. That oil was made from four different ingredients, but they had to be mixed together in that oil. And when it was mixed together into one, it became a, uh, the oil that brought the blessing of the Lord. Is how it was described. The water, the high mountain that was out, that was. From out from Jerusalem, there was a high Mount Hermon, uh, that, and the rains, the clouds would gather there. They would have a great deal of rain and snow on the mountain, and it would flow down from that into the river of Jordan, and all the way uh, through Jordan uh, to uh, the Dead Sea, to Jericho. 
And that water brought life. It brought freshness. So it's a picture of both of these. He's saying unity is like this. Unity really brings a sense of, of freshness, a sense of joy. Unity brings strength. Unity uh, is when you put these things together, it puts you in a place of worship and receiving from God. So it's a powerful picture that's given here uh, when we look at uh, Psalm 133. Then these interesting verses in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. You know, you don't put yourself in a decision where I'm falling and can't get up. You have someone to help you. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. They're alone. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can they keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily or quickly broken. These are are pictures to show the, the, the benefits and the beauty and the power of not being alone, of being with someone, of being together. The devil hates unity. The devil loves strife. Loves division. Loves to keep things stirred up. We see that horrible division and strife in our nation today. We see it in families, in marriages today. Brokenness. Unfortunately, we see it in the body of Christ. Division and strife. Some of you have experienced or have known about uh, even local churches that have been broken and divided. They were no longer uh, in unity no longer moving together in one vision, one purpose. It's a sad thing to see the people of God get into strife and division, isn't it? And oftentimes it's over nothing. (laughs) Oftentimes I remember the account of of one church. It was growing so fast, so rapidly. They, They planned on, they began building a brand new, larger building, everything, because the church was progressing so well. Well, during the building of of the church facility there, uh, there were some people that thought the wall should be painted one color, and there was another group of people who thought the wall should be painted a different color. Well, as crazy as it sounds, they got into real strife over that and fighting and, and stirred things up and became angry at one another. So angry that one group just pulled out and left. And it left one group there They could paint the walls whatever they wanted to. But now, there were so few of them, they didn't have the money for it and they had to sell the building. The devil loves strife because he knows the power of unity. He knows what can happen when people come together. Now, there are times when... uh, There's times that when you unify, you divide. Sounds kind of crazy. See if I can demonstrate it. Division is not always a bad thing. Sometimes when you're divided, it strengthens a particular group together. It's odd as that may sound. For instance, let me give kind of a... uh, Everyone here in this building that has blue eyes, stand up. All blue eyes here, stand up. Everyone blue eyes. Okay. 
Okay. That divided you from everyone else. You are now divided from one else. But what happened? You are now united together because you all have blue eyes. So in division, there can be unity. Now you can be seated. Thanks, guys. We got it. Now, Jesus, this is an unusual statement. Jesus, one of the statements Jesus said, he says, I didn't come into the world uh, just for everyone to get along. I'm paraphrasing. He said, but I came bringing a sword to divide. To divide. Now that doesn't sound like Jesus, does it? Doesn't sound like what we think about, but, but uh, he said, you, you, he says in Luke 12, he says, do you think I have come to bring peace on earth? He said, I came to divide people against each other. How did that happen? He says, families were split apart. Some in favor of me, some against me. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Now, you know that's not his perfect will. He doesn't want people to be separated or divided. But his very presence, his very person, puts people in a position where they must choose. And so he said, when I came, I came and I'm the truth, I'm the way. And when you choose me, that automatically separates you from those who don't. It happens, sadly enough. So when you chose to follow Christ, you chose to become part of a family, a unit. We're in the world, but not of it. Bad company corrupts good character. And the Bible talks about the danger of, of, of the wrong kind of fellowship with, with the wrong kind of, uh, of people. Now, listen, we love it. God loves everyone. We're to love everyone. We're to pray for everyone. We're to do what we can to reach out to them. We are not holier than they. We're not better than they are. We should not set ourselves up as some type of judge. But when you choose to be a follower of Christ, it sets you apart. It sets you apart. And that separates you. But it's not a bad thing. But by the way, you know, you can be in unity, you can be together, and yet there be diversity. Aren't you glad we're not all just alike? Aren't you glad we don't all think just alike? We don't all have the same gifts. Diversity can be good. I remember a first grade teacher who gave this assignment. I don't know how it would go over today, but she gave a show and tell assignment to her students. And she said, what I want you to do tomorrow in show and tell, I want you to come and bring, one, bring an object that, that tells about your particular church or religion. So then, next day they came, and one little boy stood up and he said, "My name is Ben, and this is a, I'm Jewish, and this is a star of David." That's good. Then another little girl, a little girl, stood up before the rest of the class and she said, "My name is Mary, and I'm Catholic, and this is a rosary." Then finally, another little boy stood up. He said, "My name is Jimmy." I'm a Baptist, and here's a casserole. <laughs> now, I'm not Baptist. I don't want to offend anybody that was, but it's true of other than Baptists, too. Diversity is not always a, a bad thing. But here's the thing. You cannot compromise truth just for unity. When, when you got a, uh, this uh, world... Church, the, ecumenism, uh, the, the ecumenicism, 
the, the let's all just get along. It doesn't matter what you believe. Let's all come and be one. The one world government, the one world church is primarily just a compromise and say, believe whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But there are times when, there are times when, you, when you choose not to compromise, it's going to set you apart. You are different. And that's okay. Never compromise the truth of God's word. Never compromise your character just to get along with someone else. That's not God's kind of unity. That's not true unity, right? Important for us to know that. And the devil loves strife because it hurts you, opens up the door for him to do all kinds of work. And he loves division and strife because it hurts your witness. It hurts your witness to an unbelieving world. What the world needs to see is a family that's together, a church that's together, people that love one another, people that stand together, that walk out His will together. That unity is a powerful witness to the Lord. Jesus said, they'll know that you're my disciples because you love one another. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Now, uh, I want us to look at four things very quickly here this morning. I'm looking at the power of unity. Four things I want to point out. God places a very high value on unity. The first thing is unity begins with God. The most, the most perfect picture we have of unity is found in the person of God himself. We call it the Trinity. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Difficult for us to grasp the true meaning, the total meaning of that, to try to explain it with, with uh, uh, our own understanding, our own vernacular. But it's true. One God, three persons. The perfect picture of complete unity. Unity is found, first of all, in Him. The source of true unity comes from God. Look at John chapter 17, and this is Jesus' prayer to the Father. Verse 22 he says, the glory which you gave me, speaking to the Father, the glory which you gave me, I have given them, talking to the believers, the disciples. I've given it to them that they may be one, just as we are one. A, 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 an amazing statement. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one or brought into complete unity is what it literally says here. And then the world, and then the world will know, look at the witness, then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them just as you've loved me. If I'm understanding that correctly, it says that in this type of relationship with the Lord, that the Lord loves you just like he loves his own son, just like he loves Jesus. You're made one with Christ. No longer separated from sin, made one with Him. Unity begins with God. Unity comes from God. True unity. The kind that God's designed. Secondly, look at the fact that unity produces blessing. Hallelujah, amen. Unity produces blessing. It opens the way for God to bless in your life. Tony Evans said, God expresses Himself in an environment of unity. He expresses Himself in an environment of unity. We see this in the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, they were all in one accord in one place. You know, you can be in 
one place and not be in one accord. Right? There's some marriages. They live together, but they're not in one accord. It, it can happen. It's uh, important for us to remember. You know, you can be together, but not together. There can be union without unity. Tie two cats together and throw them across the clothesline. They're in union, but they're not in unity. They're not together. One accord, one place. There's 120 of them. It took a few days for them, I think, to get in one accord. Because, you know, the first day that they met after Jesus ascended, the first day they met was not the day that the Holy Spirit came upon them in power. I think it was a process. After all, they'd been through a lot over the last three years. And I think it was a process. You had people from all different backgrounds, people that, uh, that uh, had failed the Lord miserably. You, you had uh, men and women. I, I think that this was all new. We look back on it. This had not happened yet for them. They didn't understand all this thing of resurrection and the church and, and the building of the kingdom of God. They just had not grasped it yet. And I think it took some time for them to forgive each other, some time for them to talk some things over, some time to make things right with God. And so I think it was a process here. But here's what happened. Here's what happened. Verse 2. Suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This unity, when they came to the place, as when they came to that place of oneness, when they came to that place of oneness with Him, and oneness with each other, something explosive took place. Something magnificent took place. Something supernatural took place. And the same thing's true today. Oh, if the church of Jesus Christ can ever get together, together, really together, if we can get our our marriage relationships, if we can get families, if we can get church congregations, if we can get believers that will learn to pull together and and be one in a way that honors him, edifies one another, we cannot imagine, I don't think, the amazing things that God could do, that he wants to do. It changed people. This changed people. Acts chapter 4 verse 32 says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. They were all on the same page. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. It changed their heart. Let me tell you, one of the best signs you can see that someone's heart's got changed is that they were stingy before, but they're generous now. You can tell a lot about a person's heart by their pocketbook, by their attitude about finances. You can tell that it's just true. It's part of, of a human character today. 
There's something, it's that, that money we have represents our livelihood. It represents ours. It represents uh, uh, effort. It represents much of who we are. And you're asking me to give some of that or to let someone else have it who may not have as much or may not earn it. Something changed in their heart that said, now we want to bless one another. Now it's not about me. It's about someone else. Something changed inside. And that's what God does in a group of people and believers, when you really get together, when you and I come together and we're hearing from the Lord, we're obeying the Lord, and we begin to get that spirit of unity working down inside of us, then we first of all begin to look not in ourselves, but begin to look around us at people we can bless. Of how we're here to, to touch one another's lives, of people out there that have needs that we can minister to. This something happened to the church there when they moved together. And it released blessing into so many people's lives. The Bible says in Psalm 34 that whoever, whoever loves life and desires to see many good days seeks peace or unity and pursues it. Anybody here love life? Anybody here desire to see good, good days ahead? Then it says seek this peace, this unity and pursue it. And this unity produces blessing and it overcomes the enemy. Unity will overcome the power of the enemy, conquer, conquer the enemy. The third thing is that unity is the key to answered prayer. It's one of the primary keys to answered prayer. For you to have an effective prayer life, you have to be in the right relationship with God, right? You have to be united with Him, not separated anymore by sin. When the Bible talks about praying and confessing, we have to understand that that word confessing in the context, most of the context we have in the New Testament, is the word that means to agree with. And so when you pray and confess God's word, what you're doing is you are agreeing or becoming one with what God has already said. Now that's wonderful because God's word is true and God's word works. And so if you're praying about something and praying for something and you find in the word that God has done it, that God has promised it, then the most powerful way that you can pray is to come and get that word inside of you and say, Lord, I agree exactly with what you say. I confess it. I come, I unite with it. So unite with him and unite with him in what he promises you and then, and then agree with others. We've taken that phrase, will you agree with me in prayer too lightly? 